Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to start with a fable that we all remember from our childhood. The fable of the three pigs. You remember this story? So there's the three pigs, and each of the pigs are looking to build a home. And the first pig, he builds his home out of straw. And the second pig, he builds his home out of sticks. And the third pig, he builds his home out of bricks. Okay? So then the wolf comes along, the big bad wolf, and he huffs and he puffs at the first pig's home, and he blows down his straw house. Then he comes to the second pig's home, and he huffs and he puffs and he blows down his home of sticks. But then he comes to the third pig's home, and he huffs and he puffs, and he's not able to blow it down, but the house of bricks is still standing. And the moral of the story is variously described, but one way of putting it is to say Don't be surprised when pushback, when blowback comes. Be prepared to be under fire. I thought of that fable this week because St. Peter in our epistle reading today says something very similar to us. He's writing to believers in Rome at a time when they were experiencing blowback, pushback, when they were under fire for their confession of faith and their identity as Christians. And Peter says to them, Don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. Don't be surprised. See, he knows that for believers then and now, it's natural to feel a sense of alienation, to be surprised when you're undergoing suffering and trials and hardships, and to think, God, aren't you there? Why am I going through this? Why aren't you helping me? Why why do I have to experience this? Peter says, don't be surprised by that. Don't let your faith be fragile. That it shouldn't be built out of straw or sticks. But instead, you are still a Christian. Indeed, the church is still the church under fire. Throughout the season of Easter, we've been seeing how the, the church is still the church in all of these various and sundry circumstances. On the way, at home, within the Father's house. But here, we see how the church is still the church under fire. Able to withstand persecutions, tribulations, and suffering, and still be the people of God. But what's interesting is Peter goes one step further still. It's as though he says, not only is the church still the church under fire, but in a sense, the church is even more so the church under fire. As he goes on to say, when you endure these sufferings, rejoice. Rejoice? Yes, rejoice. As if you were to say, you are more the church, you are more the body of Christ when you endure those sufferings and trials. How could that be? Well, think again to that fable of the three pigs. And imagine this. Imagine you still got those first three pigs, the one whose home is built of straw and sticks, and a third one with bricks. But imagine if there was a fourth pig. And with this fourth pig, His house, when the big bad wolf comes and blows on it, not only does it stay standing, but it actually grows stronger so that the pig is shouting out at the wolf and taunting it. Come on, give me all you got. Is that it? Blow harder. Give it all you've got. As though his house became stronger under stress. Imagine such a home if it were like built by tempered glass or something like that so that the more stress it endured, the more blowback it went through, the stronger it became. This is what Peter is saying the church is like. The church is not only still the church under fire, the church is more the church. 
that we become stronger through suffering, through trial, through hardship. What would be a word to describe that anyway? Well, there's actually a philosopher by the name of Nassim Nicholas Taleb who has thought of this conundrum, who wondered exactly this question. He looked around and he said, okay, we've got a word for things that just break when they go through difficulty. You know, you've got a box, you send a package and it's, it's got some china in it and you put on it, fragile, right? If you drop this, it's going to break. And he said, we've got a word for things that are able to withstand some stress. We call it robust or resilient. But what about things that actually improve through difficulty? And the word that he coined was, perhaps not too imaginatively, anti-fragile. Anti-fragile. Anti-fragile are things that actually grow stronger through stress and hardship and adversity. And I want to submit to you and me that as Christians, as the church, as the body of Christ, we actually are anti-fragile, that we go grow stronger through adversity and hardship and suffering rather than being merely fragile or even robust. Instead, we grow stronger. And how could that be? Why, why would that be? It's because you and I belong to Jesus, and Jesus is the epitome, the essence of anti-fragility. See, our Lord, he wasn't just wiped out by death, nor even did he merely manage to withstand the assaults of Satan and the world. But instead, Jesus went down into the grave for your sin and mine, and then he came back. And he came back in his resurrected, glorified body even stronger. That in his resurrected frame, he is indestructible, incorruptible, never to die again. Jesus is the epitome of anti-fragility. And now, because you and I belong to him as the body of Christ, the church is anti-fragile. The church is more the church under fire. So with the rest of our time this morning, I want to spend a little time meditating upon that, th thinking about that, thinking about three ramifications, three effects from the fact that our Lord is an anti-fragile Savior. I want to think about how our faith as individuals grows stronger through hardships. Secondly, how the church expands and grows through suffering and difficulties. And then finally, how we as an anti-fragile believers have a limitless hope. So first of all, thinking about the effects, the ramifications of our belonging to our anti-fragile Savior, Christ Jesus, is that our faith grows stronger through difficulties and hardships. And to think about that, I want to tell you a story about the biosphere. You ever heard of the biosphere? It actually came up in the news recently when baseball was thinking about plans. And some people said, can they meet in the biosphere? So the biosphere is this great big sphere, dome, down in Arizona. And it was meant to be this place where they could, um, scientists could develop ideal conditions to see how flora and fauna, how this environment grows up. But they came across a surprising challenge. See, they planted trees in the biosphere and they grew up right away and they looked like they were flourishing and healthy and well. But after a while, they had this problem. See, the trees started just tipping over and falling over left and right. They've got trees just falling down. They're trying to figure out what is going on here. Why is this? You know, it seems like a perfect environment. They're not undergoing any stress. They're not going under any difficult, any difficulty. Why are they just falling over? But they come to find out that's precisely why they are falling over. 
They didn't have that blowback. They didn't have that wind that was pushing against them. And as a result, the trees were not growing deeper roots. Trees need stress in order to flourish and to be what God created them to be. Well, something similar is true when it comes to our faith as believers. And this is a recurring theme throughout the scriptures. This isn't just some marginal message, but it's right there on practically every page of the Bible. When you look and you see this message where it says, you and I, we grow and flourish in faith through hardship, through struggle, through suffering. You think of uh, St. Paul. He writes in Romans 5. He says, rejoice, boast in your sufferings because suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character and character gives way to hope which doesn't put us to shame. James writes in his letter, he says, rejoice when you encounter trials of various kinds. And of course, all of this goes back to the words of our Lord Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount. When he says, blessed are you when you are persecuted for my name's sake. Rejoice and be glad. Really, Jesus? Rejoice and be glad. Peter, are you sure about this message that we should be rejoicing in these sufferings and trials? Yes. Why? Because our faith grows stronger. Because when we go through those difficulties and hardships, we are fastened even more closely to our Savior. See, Peter puts, this, puts it this way in the epistle reading when he says this, it says, rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. And the word translated share there is koinonia, word that's otherwise translated as communion. It's the word that's used to describe holy communion elsewhere in the New Testament. Koinon, the koinonia of Christ's suffering. See, it's this communion with Christ. As we go through those difficulties, we are bound even more to our Lord, our lowly Lord who went through suffering for your sake and mine. When we go through those difficulties, we are bound even more closely to him. And I know that you know this is true from your own life and from your experience. You can look back on those times in your life that if you had been given the option beforehand, you know, say, hey, do you want to go through um, door A, which says life is going to be easy and simple, or door B, where you're going to go through all these difficulties and hardships? To a person, we're all going to choose door A, right? And yet you know that in retrospect, looking back on your life, those times of, of greatest growth and formation have been precisely those times that were hardest. We wouldn't choose it, but God uses it in order to make you and me more the people that he created us to be. We are anti-fragile, belonging to our Lord, and our faith hardens and strengthens through those sufferings and trials. Thanks be to God that he uses that. When we are weak, then we are strong because his strength is made perfect in your weakness. So that's the first way in which, the first ramification of this anti-fragility, belonging to our anti-fragile Lord, how the, the church is more the church under fire. And secondly, the church is more the church under fire in the way that she grows and expands as a result of suffering. You say, how could that be? But consider another analogy, one that the philosopher Taleb uses himself, a story from Greek mythology. Now, this is an unflattering uh, um, contrast or comparison to draw, but the story of the hydra. Now, the hydra was this scary, awful monster. But when you would try to cut off the hydra's head, it would just grow back two more heads in its place. I know, it's a beautiful picture to raise. But the point is, the hydra was anti-fragile. When you would cut off its head, it would just become stronger. 
Now, it seems like, again, an unflattering example to, or comparison to draw with the church, but this is what the church has been like. And this can be historically verified that the more suffering that the church has undergone, that the more hardships and difficulties, the more persecution the church has experienced, the more that it has grown. Like lopping off the head of a dandelion, it just flourishes all the more. You take a step back and you look at here in uh, today's reading from Acts we saw how in Acts chapter 1, how many disciples were there at that point? 120. 120. That's it. And yet by the book of Acts, by the end of the book of Acts, it's already thousands of believers. By the end of the first century of the church, it's way more than that. And after a few centuries, it had become the, the dominant religion in the Roman Empire. And we've spoken in an uh, earlier sermon in this series that one of the ways was through the mercy work of the church. That, that was how it grew. But the other big way that it expanded was through persecution. Indeed, one of the church fathers in the second century, a guy by the name of Tertullian, he said famously that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. By which he meant through that persecution, through that suffering and trial, the church expands and grows. And you can see it even in uh, more modern times, what has happened in China and in Laos. And in a sense, even in our own country, through this season of quarantine, where we're not able to gather, but the next thing you know, all over the internet, there's the message of the gospel going out. And even more people are hearing the good news than would be otherwise. The church, too, is anti-fragile, expanding and growing through suffering, persecution, and difficulty. So that's the second way. And one final way is that for us as believers, we have a limitless hope. See, Taleb says that part of being anti-fragile means that you have an upside, you have way more upside than you have downside. If all you have is downside, if there's nowhere to go but down, you are very fragile. But if there's nowhere to go but up, that's an anti-fragile place to be. You think of Cool Hand Luke, that awesome movie from the 60s or the 70s with Paul Newman. And the scene in the movie, which gives the, the title for, for the movie, he's playing cards, right? He's playing poker with some guys. And he's just, he's calling, calling, raising, raising. And the uh, other guys are all folding. All of them are dropping out. And they're all saying, oh, he must have a great hand. He's got a pair of kings. Get out of there. Get out of there. You're just going to lose your money. Till finally the last guy folds. And Luke is still standing, Paul Newman's character. They say, what did you have? He flips it over. And what does he have? nothing. Not so much as a, a pair of twos. And they say, oh, what did you do? How could you do that? And he says, sometimes nothing is a real cool hand. That's the essence of anti-fragility. That if you have, have nothing, you've got nowhere to go but up. Friends, for you and me as believers, we've got nowhere to go but up. Our upside is limitless. Even though we come to God with nothing, he gives to you and me everything in Christ. Not only in this age, but also in the age to come. As we heard in today's gospel, and Jesus says, this is eternal life, a limitless life, a life that has no end, not only in quantity, but in quality that stretches out into the fullness of life. This is eternal life, he says, to know God the Father and to know Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. This is what you and I have right now, so that we have nowhere to go but up, this limitless hope. And you know, during this, this season of quarantine and through the pandemic, I've been hearing this from some of you, especially some of the oldest and most vulnerable folks 
among us. I had one conversation in particular with one of our homebound members. And, well, this is going to be a kind of quarantine confession, but bear with me. I go over to her house, and I stand outside. I was just bringing some flowers, some of our Easter lilies. And I said, here's the Easter lilies. Just wanted to say hello, check in, and see how you're doing. And she says, oh, pastor, wouldn't you just step inside for a minute? I said, okay, if you insist, you know, you know, people are saying you shouldn't do this, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, if you insist, I will. So I step in and we just kind of have this conversation. She's on the other side of the room. We're talking. And she says, pastor, won't you please just sit down for a minute? I said, you know, I'm not supposed to do that, but if you insist, okay, I'll sit down and we'll chat. And we're talking and we're having a conversation. And she says, pastor, would you please anoint with oil and pray over me? And I said, listen, I, you know, I'm not supposed to do that. I danger you and we were trying to, to look out for you, make sure that you're safe, et cetera, et cetera. And she says, you know what, Pastor? The worst thing that could happen to me right now is that I would die and be with Jesus. And she says, you know what? That's also the best thing. She recognized that having nothing can be a real cool hand. And I realize some of you might object to that. But how could I argue or object to her recognizing that there's nothing better than for us to be with Jesus? And I don't tell you this story to say, well, then we should just go out and be irresponsible and throw caution to the wind because, hey, if we die, we're going to be with Jesus anyway. And so who cares about, you know, uh, being prudent and being taking these precautions and so forth? That's not my point at all. Neither is it to say that we should shame those who are, are trying to... Um, especially show caution and to be careful during this time. Friends, that's not my point. My point is that for you and me, as believers, we have a limitless hope in Christ. We know that come what may, we know that things can only be better for us because we have this promise, this hope of eternal life that begins even now, that you and I, because we belong to Jesus, the future is bright. Things are looking up no matter what in this life the future may hold. And well, that is an indestructible, anti-fragile place to be. It's exactly what gets expressed through our wonderful hymn, A Mighty Fortress, where Luther has us singing, God's word forever shall abide, no thanks to foes who fear it. For God himself fights by our side with weapons of the Spirit. Were they to take our house, goods, honor, child, or spouse, though life be wrenched away, they cannot win the day. The kingdom's ours forever. See, the church is still the church under fire. Come what may, that if, no matter what happens, no matter how Satan, that roaring lion, might prowl around us and try to swallow us as his prey, no matter what might come at us in this world, Come what may, we are still the church. And even more than that, we are anti-fragile. We grow stronger. We grow better through these hardships, through these difficulties, the suffering, suffering and persecution, because you and I belong to a resurrected and risen Lord who lives and lives forever. So let this world's tyrant rage. Let us endure whatever blowback and hardship we might endure. The world can huff and puff. But you and I, we still stand strong in Christ, and the gates of Hades will not blow the church down. Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding be yours in Christ Jesus.